2017 is done and in the books in terms of movies, but what made our top 10 this year? Will there be big upsets, or will it be as predictable as we get it, Michael? You like Guardians. I'm Mike, and I'm Darren, and this is Popscore. Pop score, Lee Fowler, Entertainment Movie Review Podcast, and today we're talking about all of the goddamn movies we saw in 2017, the bad, the good, and the bits that were eh, which eh. Is, although to be fair, there's not many of those this year, I feel, Darren. You know what? There wasn't a lot of eh. Everything was either very good or very bad. Yeah, which, you know, it's it's not exactly, I wouldn't say it's a tentpole year for movies, but I, f- I feel like deciding a top ten this year was way harder than last year. Yeah, last year everything fell into place yep. on, a, on a curve, whereas this one, yeah, there's... Things doing good things differently to other movies doing good things, and then it's which one do you prefer, really? Pretty much. Um, so there was a, quite a battle to get on the bottom of my list. The top five was pretty much set in stone, but yeah. Um, quite a few surprises on there as well, Michael. Um Just to get the way straight off, we're both not feeling our best. We're really not, no. I'm on the upswing, compared to where I was a few days ago, and I've painted some strepsils and some of the mountain vodka, which is poison, but he's doing the job. <laughs> Uh, where's Michael? He's flewed to fuck. I am. Uh, not two or three hours ago, I was like hunched over in a ball going, oh, just nothing was good. I was sat in a coat indoors and I was still cold. It's not good. However, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I've got my coat with me. I've got my scarf. I've just realised you haven't taken your scarf off. Yet. No, it's for it's for reasons of trying to be somewhat well. I thought it was for style reasons. No, like, no, no, I'm not just trying oh, to be this new thing. thing. I'd buy a beret if I was going to do I, mean, that, I remember when you tried to work a hat, so it's now onto a scarf. Don't you be mocking my um, head. I won't. So we might not sound as enthusiastic as, as usual, but we are. Yeah, like, we've got very strong opinions about movies this year. In fact, I think this has been our best year in terms of number of reviews put out. Yeah. I think this is definitely a record in terms of movies, number of movies seen by mm. us, even though there's a lot we still didn't see. But we've we hit a lot of markers. But Darren, yes, as is tradition, yes. Whilst I prepare some fifty uh, star montage music, oh, could you please run down the movies that we will not be talking about today? Yes, as is tradition with this podcast, we kick off with all the movies that we didn't get round to see. And Michael is going to put in a lovely little bed, hopefully Spanish flea, my favourite one. Um, as I say the words, no. A Monster Calls, Triple X3, Sing, Resident Evil, The Final Chapter, Fifty Shades Darker, The Great Wall, Patriot's Day, Get Out, A Cure for Wellness, Fist Fight, Chips, Life, Free Fire, Smurfs, The Lost Village, Going in Style, The Boss Baby, Fast and Furious 8, A Dog's Purpose, Alien Covenant, Colossal, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, Baywatch, The Mummy, Churchill, Transformers, The Last Night, All Eyes on Me, The House, Cars Free, Captain Underpants, The Big Sick, Valerian and City of a Thousand Pints. The Emoji Movie, The Hitman's Bodyguard, The Dark Tower, American Maid, Rough Night, Mother, Victor and Victorian Abdul, Blade Runner 2049, The Lego Ninjado Movie, A Bad Mom's Christmas, Paddington 2, Battle of the Sexes, and Pitch Perfect 3. Woo! That's 44 movies that if we were professional, we probably would have seen. Although, I would actually like to go and see Fast and Furious 8 A Dog's Purpose. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a great time at the cinema. It's, it's the just... Airbud spin-off we didn't know we wanted. <laughs> it's Vin Diesel and Co. just like drifting beagles. <laughs> I'd watch it. 
You'd watch it. Greenlight We'd all it. watch it. <laughs> yeah, Fast and Furious 8 didn't set the world on fire this year in terms of box office, so I think it's time for a change. Yeah, maybe we should get Ron Howard. <laughs> Howard, you've done, done it, it again. Oh, I'm looking forward to saying that this year. We do hopefully get to say this, although the rumblings are very bad. Mm. Like, I heard something on a podcast today that was even worse than what we had feared, but oh, there we no. go. Now, um, there are written versions of the podcast we're about to do. We have both written a top 10 uh, films of the year article. There's also a top 10 everything else article coming from both of us, where we list uh, our favourite TV shows, our favourite video games, our favourite music, our favourite sports, the works. Um, so do go check those out. We're not going to be mentioned here, because that's how hooking works, Michael. Yeah. Um, but we will be going through the year in chronological order. Um, and then at the end, we'll tell you our, our top ten. We kick off... Oh, God. With, if you read my article, the worst movie of the year. <laughs> we started this podcast. Our first movie review of the year was Assassin's Creed. And I said back then, I didn't think anything could be as worse as Assassin's Creed, mm. as bad as Assassin's Creed. And in your even. opinion, that didn't change. Not at all. <laughs> nothing. I've seen some shit this year. And we will get to that over the course of this podcast. But nothing... Absolutely nothing comes close to how fucking monumentally angry I was at Assassin's Creed. I thought it was okay at the time, but on reflection, it's a very bad movie. So, so bad. Every wrong decision possible went wrong. Completely nonsensical, completely damaging to the video game's reputation. Um, and, and just completely killing any momentum for an Ubisoft movie franchise. Not that it would be like an MCU type of deal, but now... Are you excited for a Splinter Cell movie? No. Oh, I mean, really. a Watch Dogs movie. Yeah. Um, a Far Cry movie. None it, of these things. No, we've already had one of those. We have had a Far Cry movie, Let's, but an actual Far Cry yeah, movie. The less we talk about yeah, it, the better. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm just... No, it was a very, very bad start to the year. It was less Ezio and more Connor, in terms of analogy. Weirdly... I think it's actually spurned on the game series to kind of book its ideas up because I'm halfway through Assassin's Creed Origins and it's really good. Yeah. It's a it's a return to form. Um, it's still a little bit formulaic in places, um, but it's a very interesting setting. It's got a cool main character. Um, it, it's basically Breath of the Wild light. Hmm. Like, you are given a, a, a good amount of freedom to go and do whatever you want. And all it does is really just show up just how weak this movie was and how disposable it was. So it's not out of here, but with new hat. No, it's not. It's 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 better than that. So, uh, yeah, us singing "Things Can Only Get Better" at the end of that <laughs> podcast was very pathetic. Um, next up, we have a movie that only you saw. It is, which was Train Spotting Two. I really enjoyed this movie. Like, it's a shame that that this came so early on in the year and did actually sort of fall a little way along the side of the road in terms of movies I really adored this year. But Train Spotting Two was a fitting sequel that came at a time where I think we needed a good you know, 20 years later sequel, because it seemed like up until that point, reviving old movies that were over 20 years old was a very bad idea. Mm-hmm. Spotting 2 is the one that booked the trend and obviously paved the way for later on in the year, although we haven't seen it. I can, you know, we know that Blade Runner 2049 got incredibly positive press. And I think this was a precedent that was set very early on in the year. Danny Boyle, still a fantastic filmmaker, and all of the returning cast, especially Ewan McGregor and and Robert Carlyle, are just phenomenal. It, and it's good to see them back in their roles, taking the characters into new directions while still making it feel like it is a part of the Irvine Welsh story, if you will. Still not seen any Trainspotting movies. What, really? I need to get right into it, I know, I know. Trainspotting 1's fantastic. And um, 2 is pretty damn good as well. No. We, of course, earlier on this year did a Michael's Oscar roundup. <laughs> 
We did. Which I think we might be approaching again this year, because I haven't Yay. seen any of the Oscar bait movies. Um, however, last year I did catch up on one, which I know is a big favourite of yours. Mm. So if you want to hear Michael's very long um, analysis of La La Land, please do go check out our Oscar podcast. Uh, but I shall talk now, because I yeah. have a feeling La La Land will pop up for you later on. Oh boy, it will. Um, I thought he was okay. Fair enough. Really rampantly okay. <laughs> That's the thing. I think you either just thought this movie was okay, or you fanatically loved the movie. Yeah. Or you're one of these people who, just because it accidentally got set in, instead of Moonlight and then was rectified 20 seconds later, you hate it. Which, I don't think the movie's deserving of hate in any way. No. But Darren, um, we haven't heard your opinion on it, so let's hear your opinion I, I, I think Lala it's... Land. Like I said, I think it's fine. The, the music in there kind of um, peaks and troughs for me. Some of it's very good. And there are some very good performances, especially by um, Emma Stone. Ryan Gosling, not so much for me. Mm. Like, I know... This thing about Ryan Gosling, I know he's good, because everyone tells me he's good, but I've yet to see a Ryan Gosling movie where I just go, I get it. Admittedly, I haven't seen Drive, which I should do. Um, but there we go. I thought... Now, this might tell you how much attention I was paying to it. I wasn't giving it 100% attention, I wish to admit that. But I thought the joke was he never actually sings um, A Sky Full of Stars. City of Stars. City of Stars, wherever it is. I, I, I must have missed that song entirely. And I thought it was like the running joke that he never actually plays the amazing song. Like, for years, I thought the joke in Friends was that Chandler never actually said, Could I be? Because I couldn't remember it other than, like, you know, I'd never seen the early seasons in yeah. detail. So that's what I thought the joke was, Michael. Um, but yeah, it's it's fine. I don't really have very strong opinions either way. I watched it with someone who ended up crying whilst watching it, so it clearly affected I can other that. people more than it did me. But for me, it's just it was fine. You Not know, in my bag, good. But you know, I I, I I respect that. However, you know my opinion. I fucking love this I film. Know. More on that later. Do you have anything to add on the back of your Oscar podcast to Lion, Hacksaw Ridge or Manchester by the Sea? My opinion on those three movies hasn't changed, although I think Hacksaw Ridge just seemingly does get better on recollection. Right. It was a fantastic war movie. Lion was so ineffectual upon my year that I genuinely forgot I'd watched it up until I was looking back over. And what was the other one? Uh, Manchester by the Sea. It's fine. It, it, it doesn't require any repeat viewings. That's the thing about this year's Oscar winners. Well, not this year's, last year's Oscar winners mm-hmm. now. Um, none of them, apart from La La Land, got a repeat viewing out of me. La La Land, I then did watch five times, though. Right. I do still want to watch um, Moonlight. Fair enough. And I have seen one of the other Oscar movies that came out this year, but we'll get to that very quickly. Um, Split is on here. It was a Michael entry. <sighs> Oh, yeah, I remember you disliking oh, Split. Oh, God, this, this movie hurt me in places I didn't know I could hurt. People liked this. Why? I don't know. Did, why do they like this oh. movie? I, I, get, I get the feeling that they like it for the ending, and that's not a reason to like a movie. It's not worth going through half an hour and a half of utter drudgery, apart from James McAvoy being excellent, Right. to lead to an ending that basically goes, and here's why you should like it. It... I hate this film. I okay. really do hate this film. And I, I see why people like it. In terms of Shyamalan, it's actually a decent one. But oh. I don't consider Shyamalan a good director anyway. I, saying, I feel like we're grading on a curve of him like Shyamalan. Yeah, Sh- Shyamalan is like... I mean, if people consider this his comeback, I don't want to see what comes next. Because no. if it's this convoluted, then I don't really give a fuck. However, I don't think he's a good director. Everyone treated him as this visionary when Sixth Sense came out. I only think the Sixth Sense is just marginally okay. Right. N- not completely spellbinding as people claim it to be. But then again, maybe it's like 
I don't know, like, you know Empire. Obviously, yeah. you know Empire. Yes. It's like, I imagine that when people first saw that, they were like, oh my god, this changes everything. Whereas we, we knew from the start that Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker's father. Yeah. Maybe that's the effect I've had with the Sixth Sense because you know Bruce Willis is a ghost. Yeah. The entire movie was just like, oh, that makes sense. Michael, spoiler alert. I do apologise for a, what, 15 year old? For every single thing. How <laughs> in- old is the Sixth Sense? Including Jizzy Mike Pants has ruined that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and when you get to say those words, everything is made better again. Yay! But Split sucks. The founder? Really, really good. Mm. Argued up until Spider-Man came out was going to be my big Michael Keaton movie of the year. But then Spider-Man came out. Keaton's on an upswing. Completely on an upswing. He's had three out-of-the-park hits in um, Birdman, Founder, and Mm Spider-Man. Ironically, in one, he plays... A man in a bird suit and then a man in a mechanical bird suit. Bit odd, but we're here to talk about his performance. I didn't know a mechanical bird suit. In fact, it found in McDonald's. That's <laughs> it's, a twist. It's an interesting one. I didn't, I didn't see it coming. No. No, but I, I really like his character. His character name escapes me, but he, he doesn't play one of the... If, although the movie is called The Founder, he doesn't exactly play one of the original uh, McDonald's brothers. Right. He plays sort of like this salesman come con man sort of style character that essentially acts as their publicist and he he's brought into the fold in order to make them go into a national chain he really does run the gamut in terms of this in terms of being somewhat like pathetic but also really relatable and then at times completely despicable and cold and then other times oddly warm Right. This is a really, really good class act. I don't think it's as cutting edge as Birdman. I think that's that's where it lets itself down in that the cinematography is a bit stale. Right. Much like the meat. Hey. Uh, but no, it's it's a very good character piece start to finish, although technically speaking, it's nothing in the way of extraordinary. Here's Nick Offerman. Really good. Okay, good. It's Nick Offerman. What did you expect? I know, I know. But he was in Miss Congeniality too. I mean, so. he's not doing Ron Swanson, so I guess oh. that... I mean, okay, he can't... Oh. No, it's not, it's not full on Ron, which, you know, I'm happy for. I, I'm still convinced he's going to be announced as J. Jonah Jameson. I, I wouldn't see it coming. I, I would. Um, uh, Michael Keaton once played Batman. He did. The Lego Batman movies next <laughs> on the list. Segways! Segways! Um... I still think, again, much like La La Land, a rampantly okay movie. Not the classic that the Lego movie was. No, but in terms of a jokes per minute ratio, it's up there with Airplane. Like, it's super quick. It is, but I don't think it lands anywhere near as much as it, as the Lego movie did. No, I don't think it lands universally, but I think, in for me, for my sensibilities, it landed mm. more than it missed, really. I, I think it kind of it runs out of steam early on in terms of the really big laughs. Like, early on, the stuff we saw in the trailers, basically, yeah. is very good. But the, the conclusion left me quite cold in that one. I guess so. That they should all be friends. I know it's a Lego movie and a kid's movie, but no, it wasn't It wasn't what I hoped it would be. I thought, like I said, I thought it would be a very good piece of satire, which I thought was coming back this year, but really didn't. American Vandal is making a comeback for satire. I, oh. No, I'm only two episodes in, but it's a work of genius. <laughs> it's so, so good. Who did the dicks? Just the little graphic of the man getting whacked off <laughs> that they just replaced. It's so, it's so beautiful. And the guy, the the Dylan, the main dude, yeah. if he doesn't end up playing John Cena in the John Cena biopic, I don't know what's gone wrong because I thought it was John for a split second. So, oh, damn. Could you imagine? Um, I know. Also, I the know. dude playing the, uh, the filmmaker should yeah. totally play a young McLovin. Oh, he should play a young yeah. McLovin. Yeah. 
Oh, that would work so well. It would be so good. Um, yeah, so yeah, Lego Batman, I I haven't... Re- we did a review for this, and I think I was the same way. I was just like, fine, coasts on some easy jokes near the end, and the the, the ending itself is quite... Mm. You are right. It's not t- as timeless as the original Lego movie. No. I don't expect we'll get a sequel. Um, no, because we're getting Lego Movie 2 at some point, aren't we? Yes, we are. Hell yes. That's going to be pretty good. In for that. Um, speaking of Oscar movies, I mentioned earlier that I did manage to catch one. Mm-hmm. You're going to be very disappointed in me. Am I? Happened to be Hidden Figures. Oh, boy. Hang um, on. Which you gave a right lashing to um, in your Oscar podcast. Oh, boy. But it happened to be on. It was a a, a present for uh, my girlfriend's mum on her birthday, and we were all round. said, oh, let's watch Hidden Figures. I see where you're coming from, mm. but I don't think I have the knives out quite as much as you do. I think I was in the middle of my Oscar run then, and when I just saw something that was so stuck in its genre, so so haphazardly messing with the truth, and, and having read the book, it very it tampers with a lot for dramatic reason. It's an argument I had with my girlfriend and her mom actually, which is not an argument you want to get into against mm. two women of a different generations. Against a man about a movie about women in science. It's not an argument you want to be a part of. Yeah, that wasn't a smart move on your part. No, it wasn't. But I'm the film guy. I'm sorry. I only care about the film <laughs> in front of me. Should women be in science? Absolutely fucking yes. And I do believe that the women be portrayed in this movie are, for lack of a better word, heroes. They need to stop the advert that plays at cinema that's about women in science. She has the worst audio mixing of all time. <laughs> it's like this really loud, like, despondent noise but yeah. it's ear piercingly late <laughs> it's horrible continue but yeah I, I think that the women portrayed in this movie and the women who they are in real life are complete heroes and i think that this movie was a disservice to them when they've trivialized so many things in their life as opposed to celebrating their achievements it felt the most cliche of like the big right? heavy hitters of this year that everyone's like this is the one to watch this is great Felt very formulaic. It felt like it was designed more so than made. Exactly. Like it was created to just get the responses in a very manufactured way. It was fine. I, I didn't mind it. I think there was good performances in it. Mm. But I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, it wasn't. It, I don't even think it was Oscar worthy. No. Necessarily. I th- it, it should have been more a beautiful mind than anything else. Yeah. And it really wasn't a beautiful mind. No. It does make it, there are some nice feel good moments about it. True. But yeah, if they're fabricated, that kind of lessens the point. Like I said, it, it's more theory of everything, which is more dra- yeah. dramatised, as opposed to a beautiful mind, which is more of a, an exploration, just more of a more filmmaking practice. This movie is not one of those. Would you like an easier shot for the next one? Oh, that'd be nice. Uh, that would be John Wick 2. Well, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, it's great. Pretty pretty decent. Uh, I mean, I don't think I have anything else to say about it. I just... The John Wick movies are just... I mean, the first one, I think, is complete lightning in a bottle. I don't think we'll ever repeat... No. ...the circumstances of which a John Wick one was made in again. But if we're going to get three movies out of this, I'm I'm glad that they are going to ramp up... Yeah. ...John Wick just being an absolute tool for destruction. Yes. The the opening bit where, like... Because they they allude back to my favourite line of the movie... In the first movie, sorry... Which is, I've watched him kill a man with a pencil. Yes. And then he's like, I watched him kill three dudes with a pencil. And that's not the worst thing I've seen. I know, I know. Yes. I think it kind of, yeah, it isn't the first one. And there are some very stupid parts in this movie. Admittedly, yes. It does get more goofy. Near the end, I was just like completely beyond belief at some of the stuff they were trying to get away with. Uh, But yes, we do have a review on that. And we are going to try and keep the ones we have got reviews on um, to somewhat of a minimum. Minimum, even. Um, <laughs> to somewhat of a minin. We've been playing Pokemon. Uh, one we didn't manage to get around to, 
uh, for a review, because only you saw it, Maggle, right. uh, was Rings. Another movie you felt that you'd text me about to tell me how bad it was. Oh, yeah, I messaged you telling you how much I hated it, didn't I? Yes, you did. Fuck me. In a year where horror movies, well, a horror movie, turned out to be one of the best ever, in my yeah. opinion. We should you get treated to some very shitty horror movies this year. So, before the runaway success of It, which we'll come to later on, Rings was the one that like, and we've seen so many Rings movies by now. Mm-hmm. Like the original, like the original uh, Korean horror movies are sort of like Korean cinema staples. The Ameri- first American remake was pretty influential, and I actually really enjoyed it. And then since its sequel, it's just been a downward spiral into just complete madness. This one takes a very strenuous plot and just stretches it over an hour and a half, and. I think the biggest thing you can say about this is it's not scary. That's but, kind of yeah, the death now. But, but, yeah, but not in the way of, say, how I don't consider it to be scary, but I think that the way that it is shot is good horror. Yeah. It's that Rings doesn't... Even when it was trying to do cheap f- sort of jump scare moments, none of it landed. None of the content in Rings lands whatsoever... You've got Johnny Galecki just sleepwalking his way through his role as this college professor, maybe? Like, his role, just he's just there. Right. Like, oh, you're definitely here, just here because of Big Bang Theory. That's nice. Uh, and the ending is genuinely insulting. I mean, okay. I, I, don't mean, I don't mind spoiling it, to be honest, just so you don't have to go and see it. So, essentially, the end of the movie um, has shown that basically, so people can now watch the tape which is shit, as long as they get somebody else to watch the tape. Essentially, it's a big game of Duck, Duck, Goose with Samara. So, like, if you watch the tape, you have to go and find somebody in seven days to watch the tape again, and then you're safe. So, essentially, you're playing keep away with a fucking demon. It's hot potato. Yeah. Right. So, at the end, they find out the truth about how she got stuck down the well, and it's as boring as you think it might be. She fell in. (laughs) It's really shitty. Right. Like, they find the town where it happened. It's, oh, God. Um, But the ending is supposedly the rebirth of Samara, and, like, somebody literally starts coughing up a hairball and that turns into Samara and uh, yeah, it's stupid. It's completely fucking stupid to the point where I didn't even realise until after re-watching the trailer, after watching the movie, they showed the fucking ending in it. In its entirety. Wow. Yep. Even the trailer knew that you shouldn't go and see it. Lovely. Okay. Uh, Now, March, we had quite a glut of movies, um, three of which we have full reviews for, which is Logan, Kong, Skull and Power Rangers. In short, yes, yes, yes. Yep. Um, it was near enough a knockout the park month. It was. Now, um, there were two movies. Uh, well, I saw one and you saw one that we neither of the ones saw. Yeah. I had the distinct pleasure of going to watch Beauty and the Beast. Oh, boy. Because, you know, you drag your girlfriend to enough Star Wars movies, it's eventually going to come bite you in the arse. Yeah, that's true. And it was just so devoid of, like, good, refreshing ideas. Mm. It was stuck in a weird limo where it didn't really have the charm of the original because it made some changes, but to the same point, it stuck too close to the original <laughs> at some point. It's 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 really just a nothing of a movie, and yet the highest grossing movie of the year until Star Wars came and stopped it. I mean, obviously. Um, the, the music in it, the real strength of Beauty and the Beast is not great. The Beast looks okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. The, the CGI work on him looks pretty dope. Um, and Gaston's great. The whole gay subplot is, is, is not a thing. Mm. It's not a thing. Definitely salt that out for the publicity. Yeah. And just in case you were wondering, can Emma Watson act? 
no! <laughs> then there's a shot. <coughs> okay, I wasn't expecting that. You'll have to warn me when you're doing something like that. Sorry about that. Didn't yeah. she have another terrible movie this year that we did? Yeah, see? The Circle. It's a Netflix original. Yeah. And apparently it's fucking dreadful. But it's got a really good cast. I mean, Emma Watson aside, he's got Tom Hanks and John Boyega in it. And Karen Gillan. And Karen Gillan. So it's got a very decent cast behind it. Mm. And yet apparently he was just like... Oh, it's a dog shit. It was literally as far as the sentence, what if Apple was evil? <laughs> um, uh, you, on the other hand, saw Ghost in the Shell. I did. I'm annoyed I didn't see this one, I must admit. Mm. But um, how was it? You know what? A lot of people shit on this. Mm-hmm. They say it's uh, a terrible example of whitewashing for an- for uh, anime movies. Uh, they're calling it a very backwards version of the original source material. They're just calling it every name under the sun. I, however, really enjoyed it. Mm. And I think I'm in the minority on this one. That I think that the changes that were made uh, from the source material and the moments where it stuck wholeheartedly to the source material actually evened out to a pretty good movie. Right. Now, a lot of people... Uh, really ragged on the whole Scarlett Hansen doesn't look even remotely Asian point right. which is addressed in a plot point right. it's a plot point that is sort of pseudo carried on from the anime um, and I think they actually handled it I mean slightly tone deaf you could argue but j- but plot wise really well they covered the bases yeah. and it made a lot of sense and the, I love the design. I think they did a really good job of, of translating what this world would look like if it weren't a drawing. Right. I think they did a lot of re- like commendable things in this movie. And it makes me more confident for movies like um, Elite Battle Angel mm-hmm. next year, where they've really taken the source material and ran with it. Like, I mean, have you seen the trailer for that one? I haven't, no. Uh, they've actually um, enlarged the eyes of the lead actress because she's a robot. Right. So it's like she's by design supposed to look like an anime character, right. whereas everybody else just looks normal because they're human. Okay. So that looks interesting because it's James Cameron behind the wheel on that one. I'm hoping that he actually takes a lot of things from Ghost in the Shell and just not carbon copies them, but at least takes inspiration. Right. If nothing else, it's a beautiful movie, though. Just to look at, it's a visual spectacle. See, I, 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 this thing, people whose opinion I trust have come and said this is a good movie. So I will get into it eventually. Um, now, April, we only saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, it was the... I went to the cinema five times in April. I only saw Guardians of the Galaxy You watched it two. five times? I watched this and La La Land five times Holy this year. Christ, okay. Um, again, we have a full podcast on that, so go and listen to that, and yeah. I'm sure it'll come up at the end of this podcast. Uh, in May, however, again, we have one that I saw and one that you saw. Would you like to kick off with Mindhorn? Yeah, sure. Another movie I'm annoyed I didn't go and see. Honestly, you didn't miss much. Oh. But, but it's noticeably different to the rest of the movies on this list. Right. This is the movie that, for me, kind of cemented the fact that Noel Fielding is not the funny one in The Mighty Boosh. Hey, is... I like Noel Fielding Okay, still. but he's, he's not the brains of the operation. No, I never felt like he he was never the engine. No, no. Julian Barrett is, um, I think, at least a co-writer on this one. I'm not sure whether he's director, but he's the star as um, as Mindhorn, who is a detective <laughs> on the Isle of Man, which is really weird. I love that they've ran with this distinctly British island setting and they've just milked it for all the jokes it has. Um, but it just gets a bit odd. And not like bouge odd, where it's lovably odd. There's There's some really quite dark moments in this where I think the comedy does dip a little bit to one side which I think made this movie an incredibly hard sell to anybody who doesn't already like say Mighty Boosh or Alan Partridge or the Edgar Wright movies etc sorry just to interrupt 
it was written by Julian Barrett and Simon Farnaby. All oh, right. Who played? Um, oh, it's not Howard Moon. It's Harold Boone. Harold Boone. And also, at you like a beam, like a ring. <laughs> also, the guy who has a conker for a head in the Mighty Boosh. He's the guy that has a conker for his head. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's so much Boosh. Why you know I go and see Mindhorn? I'm very annoyed at myself. The, the problem with this is that you had a very, very, very limited release. I think it was out for a week tops. Yeah. Um, which is to its detriment because I do believe it needed to be seen by more people. However, it's not a classic. So this isn't a four lion situation. No, this where isn't. Where this is going to like smolder in the background of Netflix for a while, and everyone you talk to a bit about it is like, "Holy fuck, four lions is amazing!" Yeah, this movie doesn't have a rubber dinghy rapids moment, ah, but it is still very, it. very good, but not a classic in any way. I'm annoyed by that. Does he turn up? Does Nalvildin turn no, up he's for not a cameo? Movie. Oh, that's disappointing. No, you get you get a lot of like sort of like D-list boosters as such, like people right. within that comedy circle. Right, right. right. Um, but no, this is very much Julian Barrett's movie. And he's great. He's absolutely brilliant. It's just a shame that the supporting cast aren't great. Like, Russell Tovey's in this. Right. And his performance is just a bit too weird for me. Right. I don't know, though. It's a very dark ending as well. If God. we can get a revival of The League of Fucking Gentlemen, then surely to Christ we can get the boosh back. Oh, please. I mean, Noel is not doing that luxury comedy shit anymore. No. Right, he's just doing the bake-off. <laughs> Have you rewatched Boosh recently? I haven't watched it recently. It's, apart from series three, it still holds up. I like season three. I didn't like season I three. I like season three. I like three. the first two episodes and then it kind of went... No, like I can I can deal with season, season three. Season one and two hold up tremendously. God, I want it back so much. If all they're doing is bake off and the occasional Netflix movie, then there's no excuse for it. And again, the League of Fucking Gentlemen got to come back. Good news though, Darren. Mm. Uh, the Boosh do have a movie coming out this year. It's called Breaks, and it's written by Julian Barrett and Noel Fielding, and it's all about... It's basically like uh, a, some, like... It's a selection of short rom-com stories that just end in them not getting together. I'm uh, looking forward to it. What? Seriously. What, what is this, and why have I not heard of it? <laughs> oh, my God. My girlfriend sent me the link to this, I think, two or three days ago. She was like, we've got to go and see this, because it's on, like, The Everyman or The Electric. I'm like, of course it's on at The Electric. Huh? I haven't heard of that. It's not even on his page. Michael, you best not be lying to me. No, I'm this movie very... exists. Ah. There is a trailer. Ah. I'll find it. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll watch that later. Um, where are we going? Are we going to uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Salazar's Revenge. This one's all you. Now, I, I recently, as in two hours ago, listened to our 2017 <laughs> preview podcast, and I just shit on this one thinking what are they doing four was just a joke he was no there's no need for a fifth one it is a better movie than four it's still as disposable i think but it is it is better it's it's marked by one or two very cool moments um so for example you have an opening bank robbery where they literally steal the bank like they literally they are pulling the bank through like a little shanty town with horses that's quite good well, that's a bit odd. um and there's some very cool visual moments, like um, you get the undead sharks that use as like torpedoes that just kind of throw in the water to go and kill people. Um, <laughs> it, past that, I mean, uh, Javier Bardem isn't great because he's got this thing where he's meant to be a bit marble moved. Mm. You can't really tell what he's saying, which is fine. But then if you can't really tell what he's saying, it becomes a bit of a detriment to the movie. Um but it was fine. It was better than I expected to be. Didn't rise any rise anywhere above that. Um, it's got Effie from Skins in it, who is nice to look at. 
uh, and a gentleman that looks like he was in a previous season of Skins as well. He looks he looks the type. He wasn't great, but it's got Jeffrey Rush doing Jeffrey Rush things as um, as Hector Barbosa, which is always always a good time. And there's an actual like meaningful ending. I don't know if there'll be a six movie, especially now you know Johnny Depp's a heel, but um, <laughs> in real life he's a real life heel. Uh, I don't know. I I don't think it set the box office on fire, but it was it was passable. It passed two hours, and I didn't really come out with much to complain about. Oh so. fuck! Breaks came out this year. It came out end of November. Sorry, this is breaking news. Oh my god! It's a it's a, it's out. Okay, improv based dark comedy set in London, starring Julia Barrett, Noel Fielding, and a bunch of other people, um, who we do not care about. Oh but... my god! How do we miss this? Yeah, here it is. Like, sorry that we're doing this on the podcast, ladies and gents, but yeah. What? Apparently it was made in 2016, released at the end of this year. I didn't even know it was out. I thought it was coming out next year. I've, my whole world has been turned upside down. Well, shit. Well, this is amazing. Um, okay, back on point. Stay on target. Uh, we have June. Now, we had two movies again that we saw and have reviews for, which is Wonder Woman and Baby Driver. In short for me, yes and no. In short for me, yes and still yes. Mm, okay. Uh, and once again, we have Despicable Me Free for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I'm oh, God, I just enjoyed that's the 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 your one word review is a noise that a minion would make. I was an apologist for the first Despicable Me, which I do genuinely think is funny, and there are some good bits in the second one as well. I think the Minions movie has kind of tainted the brand a little bit. Mm. This is this was not good. Him having, um, Gru having a twin brother doesn't add much. They got Trey Parker in to be the bad guy. Which, holy shit. Oh, holy shit, Trey Parker in a, in a kid's movie. But it doesn't really work. Mm. He's not that funny, which is kind of really quite sad to think oh, about. Oh, Trey. I know, I know. But he said he wants to do something that his daughter could watch. That's fair Because to be honest, the man's made cartoons <laughs> for the last 20 years, but ain't no daughter allowed to watch there's those a, There's a video of his daughter doing the voice of Ike. Have you seen oh, that? Oh, it's so cute, It's isn't the best it? thing. It's so adorable. Um, yeah, I think Illumination, you know, they started off so well with Despicable Me, but, you know, Sing mm. wasn't the secret light of pets. Uh, and apparently they're getting Mario. Yeah, they're giving the keys to Mario, which I'm very worried about. Because apparently there's a burgeoning relationship between Nintendo and the country of France. Who knew? Um, which are fine. So they're giving all their <laughs> we games should have known. You. We should have known when Kalos was announced. I know, it was... Oh my God, that was... <laughs> they were trying to warn us. <laughs> so yeah, they've gone to bed with Ubisoft. They've gone to bed with Illumination. Um, and, and I don't know if that bodes well. If they bring the same creativity to... Mario that they did the first Despicable Me movie, that could be very good. I worry they're going to turn the Toads into Minions, because mm. that just seems prime for that type of shit. But uh, but there we go. You, on the other hand, Michael, yeah. you chose to spend your time in June watching Okja. Yep. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, you are pronouncing Woo! That. Yeah. Do tell. The incredibly heavy-handed Netflix movie that uh, basically says that all animal foods are wrong. So don't kill pigs and don't make massive pigs and then kill them as well. So I can't quite tell what this movie was trying to say when it made heroes of violent revolutionists and also a small girl inevitably tied to a pig. Not tied to a pig. Although that would be way more interesting. Um, So it has this... The movie we deserve. Yeah. Now, it starts out really dark and then it's got... A lot of kids' movie shit going on in the middle, and there's a lot of poop jokes, 
And the tone is so unbelievably inconsistent, I'm surprised it's got the praise it did. Okay. Now, Tilda Swinton's in this, playing two sisters. Right. For a fraction of a second. Okay. Like, it's mainly just the one. And for the most part, she's okay. The, the main focus is with the CGI pig creature, who admittedly is animated very well. Mm. And the small um, Korean girl in the, in the front role, who again... He's probably fine. It's very hard to tell with children actors in um, in a second language to know if they're any good. Right. I get more of a sense of performances with aged people. So like, I have seen quite a lot of Korean movies and it's very easy to tell when there's good acting going on there. Right. But children actors still... No. There's no connect there. When I'm watching stuff like my Kamen Rider shows and they have kid actors on, I can't tell how good or bad they are because there's that immediate yeah, disconnect. Yeah. So eh, you get what I'm trying to say. But everything surrounding that story of a, a pig being just this girl's best friend whilst it is simultaneously a way to try and solve world hunger because we can now breed superhuman massive pigs is lost in a tale of like political revolution and shit jokes. Right. It's... I don't know who thinks this is brilliant because it sure as fuck isn't brilliant. I, I hesitate to say so far as it's bordering bad. It's just not an engaging story at any point. I was never on board with Okja. I liked the pig, but inevitably I could see why this thing, sort of thing would be made. Right. Like, yeah, okay, so we made a, you know, 10-ton pig to fight against world hunger and it's going to taste amazing. That sounds, that sounds awesome. However, it's then, it's then also, like, time for the poop jokes and also smash the system. It's... That's a weird mix of things. Yeah. But a super massive giant pig sounds like a Muse album. <laughs> um, oh, baby, don't you know? <laughs> oh. Good segue, Michael. Um, July, all three movies we watch, we have podcasts for. We that do. being Spider-Man Homecoming, Wolf of the Planet of the Apes, and Dunkirk. In short, yes, yes, and fine. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, and fine. Dunkirk was fine. I don't think he deserves the praise he's getting. It's been in and out of my top ten, and at the minute it's not in there. It didn't get a look in for me. I was like, no, it wasn't special enough. I like what he was doing, and there's some parts of it I really like. There's a lot of it I don't particularly care for. Anytime we're on a goddamn boat, oh, I don't care about this silly <laughs> business. Uh, August, we also have Logan Lucky, which we also have a podcast on. Uh, but you managed to go and watch Atomic Blonde. I did. Well done. Well, how was that? That was great. I, I don't think it was quite the... Um the the John Wick but a vagina movie that we were all expecting Aww. because it essentially decided that that's not what it wanted to be it wanted to be an ultra violent spy thriller first right and then a glorified shoot 'em up after that Charlize Theron's brilliant and I think that her turn into action movies has been for the better yeah. she just excels at this kind of role especially at this whole sort of like damaged female with the redemption arc to her she's fantastic at that please let her be playing that forever. But where Atomic Blonde differs from John Wick is in it, is its strengths, and it's the similarities that kind of bring it back back down the list as such. Because what it, John Wick has in sort of like the very grim story of revenge, Atomic Blonde has a you know spy versus spy story going yeah. on. It has a unique setting in the fall of the Berlin Wall, which is just beautiful to watch and listen to. You get a lot of the um, Hasselhoff. I mean, you don't really see much Hasselhoff, I must admit. But you do get a lot of, like, Eurythmics and stuff like that. Ah! And the soundtrack of this movie is fantastic. Okay. But it's where it tries to be John Wick is where it falls down. Oh, really? It, 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 there's just sequences that feel 
a little bit out of place mm. that feel like it's it's said insert said fight scene from John Wick one. Right. The fight scenes aren't bad; they just don't feel cohesive to the movie and they feel derivative yeah there's right. certain, there's one or two that feel so in place like there's one in a car that's fantastic and there's one later on where she's beating the shit out of somebody whilst also like rescuing a hostage and much like john wick it shows her in, like, getting increasingly damaged and sluggish and the choreography is fantastic but again it's derivative and it's definitely trying to make a genre out of the you thought this actor was done with action roles no they're and, back now they're back now that's a thing now and the Tommy Blonde's fine. It's it's pretty damn good. Good watch. Definitely watch it at least once. Maybe not after that. Just realised there was a movie this year that had basically Jackie Chan versus James Bond, and we didn't watch it. We didn't. No. You know, it's Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan fighting each other. Mm. We really should have watched that. Probably should have done that. <laughs> I love yeah. both of those people. <laughs> um, right, September. It and Kingsman: The Golden Circle. We have reviews for those. We In short, yes and no. Uh, October. We have Full Ragnarok. Same deal. Um, Jigsaw. That face you're making to me is telling me all the whole story, Darren. If one thing came close to knocking um, uh, Assassin's Creed off the pedestal for the worst movie, it was Jigsaw. Wow. I only missed it because I had no expectations of Jigsaw, no attachment to the franchise, and it just it was just bad. Whereas Assassin's Creed is the absence of any good, there is Jigsaw, which is just bad. It knows it's schlock, and it doesn't try and rise above that. Um, yeah, it's not my bag, but... I owed. I, I was. I, we were going out for a date night with uh, some friends. They wanted to go and watch it, and and my hands were tied. Um, it's it's what you expect. It's, it's exactly what I imagined the Saw movie was. Admittedly, I probably shouldn't have started with the eighth one, hmm. but I'm not going to go back and watch the other seven no. in case I missed some plot points. The first one was pretty inventive for its time, but other than that, it feels I don't like have an attachment. Joe and people complain like saying. You know, people are asked to be innovative. Yeah. But that's very hard just to turn on innovation. <laughs> yeah. It felt like that. They were like, oh, you need to be innovative with a Saw movie, but keep it within the tropes of that film franchise. So it just has these really, like, stupid twists, including a Saw website, a Saw fan group website in canon of the movie called JigsawRocks.com. Not even joking with you. That the hot ginger woman, who also happens to be a morgue technician, happens to be part of, and she collects old Jigsaw traps. JigsawRocks.com. JigsawRocks.com. I think it's even JigsawRocks.net. So points for um, authenticity there. Um, That's like up there with YOLO swag for Jesus in terms of terrible names. I know, I know. There's a really bad twist. Um, Mild spoilers. Jigsaw died at some point in the previous Saw movie. Yeah, he's been dead a few years. He's been dead a few years. He's in this movie. (laughs) And the only highlight of this was sat in... uh, We were in the Birmingham Odeon, the one on New Street, right? Relatively quiet screen. There's only about ten of us in there. And... I don't use like people shouting out and doing stuff at movies, but when Jigsaw turned up, this big brum bloke went, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" <laughs> and then they have to like engineer around that problem of how he's in this movie but still dead. So it turns out it was a flashback, and what we were seeing were flashbacks to previous events. And the guy that we thought was the protagonist is actually this is like set a year after those events. And he's actually Jigsaw's apprentice, and he was the one doing this, and it's so very backwards. <laughs> like it's so it's it's a twist that doesn't it adds nothing to the movie other than going, oh okay. Um, so yeah, it came close to knocking Assassin's Creed off, but I just didn't have the vitriol for this that I did for 
Assassin's Creed. Is this October so this came out? Uh, this is October, yes. Oh, great. I have one to add. Which was? Uh, Death Note, the Netflix Oh, movie. I did mean to include this on here for you. Yeah. How was... How was... Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Let me correct you from the very start of this podcast, Darren. This was the worst fucking movie of the year. Really? Fuck. Oh, my God. Worse than Rings. Yes. Worse than Assassin's Creed. A hundred percent, yes. Look, Assassin's Creed at least got its source material to some extent. Death Note fucking does not. Oh, here we go. Okay. Watchmen all over again. No, I like Watchmen. It's not like my favourite thing. Oh, no, I'm joking. I like Watchmen. But, like... This is. There should have been no easier anime to adapt than Death Note. Bearing in mind they've had a go at Ghost in the Shell. We've got we've got Elite Backlander coming up next year. We've had a Dragon Ball Z movie. Akira's coming at some point, maybe with Keanu Reeves. Although or now Kanye. That, that doesn't sound terrible now, though, does it? What him playing? No, him not him playing Kaneda. That would be a terrible idea. But I like, thought his name was Akira. <laughs> no, Kaneda. is Akira the bike? Who's Akira? <laughs> Let's leave that where it is, Darren. Um, so, yeah, all of these high-concept anime movies. Right. And then you get one that's very simple to understand. Right. Here is a book. It kills people. This guy's a fuckhead. T- tries to kill people and act like a god. Not hard. But they screwed the fucking pooch. So unbelievably hard. Okay, Nat Wolf. Who the fuck put this guy in movies? Who told this guy, yeah, you're a good actor? Because he fucking isn't. He completely has missed the point of the character of Light. Let's talk about that as well, though. So they've gone to extreme lengths to Americanize this movie. But they still called the main character Light. Like, I could forgive them changing the names because everybody else's name is changed. Right. The own- There are two good things about this movie. One... The design of the Death Note, it looks like the one in the anime, but then again, it's just a leather-bound black notebook that says Death Note on it. Not that hard. Two, Willem Dafoe as Ryuk is brilliant, and even though they've dramatically changed his intentions in the movie, I still enjoyed having Willem Dafoe, like, hearing his voice coming out of Ryuk's mouth just fits. Right. It's really good, but everything else is hot garbage they have missed the point of the anime the story that they've tried to put in there doesn't fucking work they sequel bait in a movie that does not deserve a fucking sequel and nothing is finalized they've also taken one of the franchise's most beloved characters and reduced her to this archetypal villain role i guess maybe I'm not going to spoil too... Fuck it. So, <laughs> I just want to say... Save... Just pause you for two seconds, right? Yeah. Is this what he looked like in the movie? Um, it's slightly different to that. Imagine, uh, like, a Rob Zombie version of this, so it's a bit more realistic. Okay. I say realistic, it's, it's like... It doesn't obviously look like a cartoon. Sorry, uh, we should point out, we're looking at the uh, Japanese live-action Death Note movies version of Ryuk, which is a bit more cartoony. Right. Um, compared also, to... I understand this is a, a visual gag on an audio medium, but William Defoe there looks like John Bishop has been famed 200 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> right? He does. He looks like oh, John wow. Bishop. Oh, no. Who knew? Uh, sorry, carry on. Um, so, fuck this movie. Um, so they do the whole thing of Misa being evil. Well, I say Misa, Mia, because, you know, it's American now. Um, and it just doesn't fucking work. It really doesn't fucking is work. Is that him? That's him. Oh, okay. Yeah, look. 
See, I mean, that's that's, that's kind of cool. horror, isn't it? It's a really fucking good design, yeah. wasted in a terrible movie. I would say, Darren, that the only way this movie has merit is if you watched it and went, that could be improved, and then, <laughs> right. and then you'd watch the anime, because the anime is ultimately, I think, save for like one Duff episode, pretty flawless. Right. So, fuck this film. You've got another one to give a kick in in October. I have. Pokemon the movie, I choose you! Now, a lot of people had issue with this film. And the best thing to come out of it for me was reactions to people in the cinema when Pikachu talked. Oh, I didn't think you knew about this. That's what I was going to build up to. Sorry, Michael, I do know about that. I've seen the people going, what the fuck? So it's like this kind of like slightly idealised retelling of the first episode, essentially. And the animation's actually pretty nice. Like, it's a beautiful looking movie in terms of animation. They've done... A subversive version of this, like they've confirmed that the giant bird was Ho-Oh, even though we all knew it was Ho-Oh, etc., etc. Was that in doubt? No, but right. you know, oh, they'd be more blatant about it. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, but yeah, it leads to a moment where Ho-Oh grants this weird wish or whatever. I can't really tell what's going on because all I can focus on is Pikachu saying words. It, it it's just that one scene, but it just makes you. It just leaves you feeling weird and tainted and. I'm not sure, because there's another one coming, but it's following this timeline. Right. So it's very much a divergent timeline now, because it's not going to go and essentially recreate episode two of the anime. Right. It's not going to be, you know, Pokemon I choose Caterpie. That's not the next right. one. <laughs> Bike, Lightning, Spearows, etc. Yeah, th- right. that's not what's going to happen in okay. the next one. Um, but, I mean, we're talking about Pokemon movies. Mm. There's really only been three good ones. First one. Yep. Second one. Yep. Ooh. The third one? No, I don't like the third one. Enti and the Unknown. I don't think I've seen any past Enti and the Unknown. Their, their one for Manaphy is really? really heartfelt. It's a wow. really, really well-written movie. It's fucking odd. I think I saw about ten minutes of the one with Shaming in. Yeah, that one's not very good. On a plane. I once. watched the one with one for Magina. Oh, fuck. Oh, is it no good? I'm glad they're not doing those movies anymore. Jesus wept. I think that's the thing that Pokemon I Choose You does right, is it does something noticeably different and not just, what monster is Ash catching this week? Like, it feels fresh. Right. And I feel like if people were to watch this as their first intro into Ash or Satori or whatever you want to call it. It makes sense. Then, yeah, it would, because it's a new... It's, it's, it's what the... Excuse me. It's what the games were to the original manga... What, right. what this is to the original series. Gotcha. It's very much a companion piece. Okay. That's fine. Still not bad, just... Oh, God, why is he talking? Look forward to Detective Pikachu, where that voice will be Ryan Reynolds <laughs> coming next year. Um, right, November. You may be wondering why I just turned that, <laughs> that Lapras into a fucking kebab. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if it's R-rated talking Pikachu, then I'm all for that business. Um, right, November. Justice League. Brr, 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 brr. Brr. Uh, you saw Murder on the Orient Express. I did. Give on. Thoroughly enjoyed it up till the last half hour. Right. Oh, oh. Right. Don't give it away, because I have, don't actually know oh, okay. any plot details for Murder on the Orient Express, and I do intend to watch it at some point. I didn't until I saw the movie, and I very much intentionally kept away from finding out. Okay. Um, and obviously it's the exact same one that's in the book, so make of that what you will. Um, but what this movie does is, to Poirot really is is interesting in the first half of the movie and then disappointing in the second half. Okay. Because they build him up to be a far different version of Poirot that we've ever seen. Right. We're talking like 
Eggs Benedict Cumberbund version of Sherlock version right. of Poirot. Okay. He's almost superhuman. I don't like that. It's honestly it works. This couldn't have come from anybody else other than Kenneth Brown as well, who's brilliant. Can we have a, a, a little bit of a clap for his moustache game? Yeah, we can. Because that thing is, is, is monumental. The reason I wanted to watch the movie, if anything. <laughs> his moustache Oh, game. God, it's beautiful. <coughs> moustache of the fucking century. It is on point. Mm-hmm. And much like the rest of the performances are pretty much on point, there's a few that sort of fade away into the background. It's obviously going to be the ones that aren't Daisy Ridley, Josh Gad... Depp, etc. Right. Although Depp's... Maybe that's a spoiler, but he's not in the movie much. Um, okay. So, but Judy Dench is obviously in the movie, and she's fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's a very good ensemble cast. It's very beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. It does a very different version of this story while still maintaining the original story beats, as it mm. turns out. But I can't help but feeling it gets a bit too formulaic towards the end. Like, a bit too easy, a bit too Agatha Christie. Right. Not to, not to harp on this a little bit longer, but... How is Daisy Ridley in that movie? Fine. Because no, the, the book is still out on her in terms of, is she actually a good actress? Or, is or she was just, she in a Star Wars movie? Or was she in a Star Wars movie? Exactly that, Michael. Um, I, I think that there's definitely some talent to be found there. Okay. I don't think it's it's the to the extent of Oscar Isaacs and John Boyega. I think of our main trifecta from the new Star Wars, she's the weaker link. Right. But, but only in terms of her outside works. Like, right. She's not been in as many good movies or done as many good performances other than Star Wars. Right. Whereas like John Boyega's had Attack, Attack the Block and he's been in Detroit. He's going to be... Oh, he's in The Circle. We don't know how good that movie mm. is. But he's definitely had a lot better movies outside mm. of Star Wars. He's going to be in Pacific Rim next. Oh, yeah, he's in Pacific Rim as well. Looking forward to that. Um and Oscar Isaac, as we know, was in some fantastic movies um, and continues to choose very, very good scripts. Just whilst we're on the topic of Oscar Isaac, I um, went to see a movie we'll talk about in a second, right? And they had a trailer attached to a movie I knew nothing about called Annihilation, mm-hmm. which looks so interesting. It's the Ex Machina guy, again, and it's got... Oh, it's um, a follow-on from Ex Machina. It's not a follow-on from Ex Machina. Um, but it's got Oscar Isaacs in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like What's-His-Face in it as well, um, Hooks. Oh, um, Tom, uh, Tom Robinson. I feel like he isn't listed on the cast member. I seem like I, I remember seeing him. Bendik Wong's in it, that's cool. And it's got Natalie Portman as the lead. And it looks like this year's, um, not Signs, what's it called? Arrival. Ooh. Where it's like like a plant alien has taken over the Earth. It looks so cool. Yeah. Looks so beautiful. Um, sorry, quick aside there. I had to mention that before you went away. Um, did I cut you off at all? No, it's not not at all. It's uh, that's one for the books though. I'll, I'll right. watch that. But yeah, everyone in, in Murder is fine. It's just good. It, like I said, it just gets a bit a bit too predictable by the end. Would you like a break from talking? A little bit, because you've got two more to talk about. I have one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had Star Wars Last Jedi in December. We're at the end of the month now. Hooray! I thought Star Wars would be the last one I saw this year, but I managed to sneak in Jumanji just under the wire. Nice. Surprisingly good. I've heard this from a lot of people. Troubled my top ten. It was that good. Um, Has a really, really nice and sweet tribute to Robin Williams in there. Oh, nice. And not like some sort of background thing like Alan Parry's mentioned. And it's very nice. Um, Plays the tropes really well. Makes a transition to a video game scenario really, really well. The characters are all really funny. It's so good to see Jack Black in a good comedy again. <laughs> like, he hasn't really been, like, doing great, but, oh, my God, he's so funny. As a... Because I'm sure you've seen the trailers. Ah. Like, he's a teenage girl, and it's so goddamn funny. <laughs> Him having to teach Karen Gillian how to flirt is amazing. 
Um, it's got a surprisingly good soundtrack. Um, it's got some really good fight scenes. Like they play up the video game thing really well. So like they have weaknesses. Um, so the Rock has none, and his powers include smouldering, <laughs> which is really good. Um, oh, Kevin Hart's got like no abilities whatsoever. He's like he's got no stamina. He's weak, and he's his weakness is cakes. So at some point cakes. he just eats a eats what he thinks is like bread, but it turns out it's a bunt cake, and he just explodes. <laughs> It's really good. I can't recommend it enough. It's just, it's the right balance of comedy and action. The CGI is a little bit ropey. There's a stampede scene like in the original Jumanji, which again doesn't hold up. I watched it again the other day. I the mean, original Jumanji? Yeah. You don't think it holds up? Not particularly. The monkeys, the... the monkeys look awful. Yeah, the monkeys on the bike, they look dreadful. The stampede looks fine, but the stampede in this, they've obviously gone bigger with it. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, but it, it really works. There's not a lot to criticise. Like I said, it really did trouble my top ten. And upon reflection, I might even, you know, come six months' time, I might have swapped it around with my 10th place movie. It was that good. But yeah, considering how dross it could have been and how much of a cash grab it could have been, especially, I thought, they're releasing it the week after Star Wars. That, to me, telling me that they have no faith in that movie to go out and do anything. So they're just going to kill it underneath Star Wars. But uh, no, really good. Please do go watch it. Awesome. Um, right, you've got two more. Do you want to go with The Disaster Artist or The Greatest Showman first? Um, I'm definitely going to talk about The Disaster Artist more in depth in a little bit. Okay. So we'll we'll just draw a line under, under the words very good. Okay. And we'll go on to uh, Greatest Showman. <coughs> of which I could draw, I should just draw a... No, actually no. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this a little bit more. So... So my girlfriend's not that big into movies, right? She's she's really not. Right. I, I forced her to watch some pretty uh, big movies, like so. And we're working our way through the MCU. <laughs> I the exact same mistake with my girlfriend. I oh, know. It's, it's, it's what do you mean you haven't seen Ant Man? <laughs> what do you mean you haven't seen Thor: The Dark World? <laughs> okay, we're not doing. Is that. Is it any good? No, but we're starting with the good ones. That's beside the point. Okay, good. So like we're doing Captain America and Iron Man. And nice, you know, nice, and nice. And I'm forcing through Star Wars. And basically, what I found out is that she's just really big into very dispensable movies. Oh. So she likes Pitch Perfect. She saw Pitch Perfect 3 the other day. And she likes... Well, she... <laughs> I didn't understand that Clueless was a movie that you're supposed to have on in the background, but I sat and watched all of it and nothing fucking happens. So she's more in the vein of sort of like harmless, dispensable rom-coms. Right. Which is, I think, would be a fair assumption of what this movie seems to be. It's a vaguely uplifting, if dispensable, movie about a circus. Right. She fucking hated this movie. <laughs> oh! Yeah, so that's got to tell you how bad The Great Showman is, that the, the biggest advocate for the style of movie that this is thought it was complete and utter trash. Right. I got... More enjoyment out of this movie when we were made our our own in jokes about it nice. than I did any of the content. For starters, Hugh Jackman is the best thing. I love Hugh Jackman. Yes. please put him in better movies. Um, because yeah, this keeps happening. Because he, I don't know who he's like. Who's picking his scripts? Because like he is the apart from Zac Efron, he's basically the reason you're coming to see this movie. Right. Everybody else sucks. I mean, Zac Efron's pretty good. Zendaya. Zendaya's not given enough to do oh, okay. and, and spends half of the movie crying, which is just, um, it's not a fun time for anybody. Oh, no. And I like Zendaya, I think she's pretty great, but like this is not a good turn for her. Right. But Hugh Jackman's a great actor, a great singer, a yeah. great dancer in his 50s. Yeah. And they really pushed him to the edges for songs that sound 
way too similar to Beyonce tracks that I'm care to... Yeah, the opening number, The Greatest Show, is basically Halo by Beyonce. Oh. And it's very disconcerting. I get the feeling that the original draft of this movie was all licensed music. Right. That they had to rework at the last Uh. minute. I would be interested to find out if that's the case, because that's what it definitely feels like. Okay. And the numbers themselves, the lyrics are so bland. So unbelievably bland. They hold no weight whatsoever. They really just have a bad agent. Mm. Because, I mean, have you got around to watching Pan yet? No, I don't ever intend to. I mean, don't, but do watch his version of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Because it is the weirdest combination of music and visuals <laughs> that has ever existed on film. <laughs> Nothing is as fucking ear-gratingly wrong <laughs> as watching a flying pirate ship full of child workers and these like weird pirate things singing Smells Like Teen Spirit like it's some fucking gospel anthem. Jesus. It's the weirdest fucking <laughs> thing. Um, it's like a fever dream. It's so fucking bad. Um, there are elements of this movie that feel like a fever dream as well. But this is good, Michael. Is it? Because if he keeps picking shit movies, he's going to have to go back to the well he knows that works. Right? <laughs> that means Wolverine. That means MCU. That means Hugh Jackman Wolverine MCU. That's a, I mean, as much as I want it to end with Logan, and it should end with Logan, if there's any excuse to bring it back, it's him fighting oh, the Hulk. Oh, that, that's gone through since we've uh, did our last episode, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, I, I still think the US government at some point is going to set the fuck in. I mean, yeah. Because that is such a bad monopoly. It is. Right, Fox were in the process of buying more of Sky before this deal happened. They were in the UK courts for six months, and that was just to buy, like, an extra 5% worth of Sky. To buy the entirety of 20th Century <laughs> Fox in one fell swoop, surely to fuck some Monopoly guys are going to have to go in and fucking shut that shit down. Yeah, however... However, that at the moment, mean... it's fucking gold. Yeah, because, and I don't know whether you remember this running gag that we had. You know what we can have now? Is it what I think it is? It is. It's... Doom in the MCU will get Doom in the MCU. Oh, it's, oh. Beautiful, it's a beautiful future, isn't and it? And of course, Galactus is coming. <laughs> Phone everybody. everybody. Uh, Woo! Great showman's average. Yeah, <laughs> to end that bit. Uh, right, you don't want to mention Disaster Rises, I'm guessing, because you're about to mention I'm it in about a second. To mention it, yeah. Cool! Right, we're getting on to the list now. Um, just to round up, um, you can again go and read the full versions of these articles uh, online. I'll quickly open up, if that's okay with you, Michael, with the dishonourable mentions. Um, Justice League uh, wasn't just bad, it was just... Um, it was bad, but it was, it was safe from being the worst movie just because it functioned, which, considering the chaos that surrounded it, was um, a, a fucking miracle. Um, Beauty and the Beast, just a nothing of a movie. Uh, Jigsaw, second worst movie I watched. Probably actually the worst movie because there's not a lot of good things going on. Uh, Kingsman Golden Circle, disappointment of the year. Mm. The one that really let me down. I thought that was going to be a top three movie. Despite all the Elton John bits. Despite all the Elton John bits. (laughs) I had that as a lock for a top five and said it could potentially be top three. Completely wrong. Disappointment of the year. And of course, worst movie of the year, to no one's surprise, is Assassin's fucking Creed. Yeah, I saw that coming. So, Ask Creed made my dishonourable mentions but didn't make the top. It is sitting amongst Rings, Split, Hidden Figures and Justice League, which of course makes Death Note my worst movie of the year. Okay. Solid, solid. Uh, right, shall we go tit for tat? Sounds good. 10, 9, 9, 8, 8, etc. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, number 10. Yep. I've got It. Ooh. Um... Really didn't expect this to ever make it onto a top ten list of mine. Not a horror dude. 
But I, I think that's what gave it an edge over movies I maybe enjoyed more. I think I enjoyed Jumanji more than I did it. But the fact that I had no expectations, it completely turned me around 180. And it was just a version of, like, right, horror can work. I don't think it ever truly goes to be a horror movie. It's more a thriller than it is a horror movie. But it shows that with the right amount of care and attention to your source material and and really just focusing on character above all else, horror movies can make it. So, yeah, that gets in at number 10. Maggle? Uh, my number 10, uh, it was, I told you it was going to be at number 10 from the second we walked out of it because I recognise it's not a great movie. However, it did tickle some of the most sensitive nostalgia bones I have in my body. Um, Power Rangers makes my number 10. Smart. It shouldn't be on anybody's top 10 list. It's not that great a movie. It's average at best. But I think just for the intense wave of nostalgia it brought on yep. with one of the best movie going moments I think I'll ever have in my life during the Go Go Power Rangers bit <laughs> as well as having like as discovering Dacre Montgomery for us who's a brilliant lead actor um, when RJ Siler as the first autistic superhero who fucking big thumbs up yep. who's the best character in the movie as well as our first openly out LGBT character well open LGBT superhero in a movie I think this deserves a lot of praise where people have, have been mocking it and yeah I get it CGI is not that great monster design not perfect but for me big thumbs up smart move there Michael um, tell you what let's abandon the ABBA way of doing these lists and just stick to normal number 9 for me Kong Skull Island mm-hmm. uh, again something I didn't have much um Passion for going in just because I fucking hated the Godzilla movie that preceded it. I know they're not. They're only tangentially linked now, but still. Um, but it showed the way around it should be done. It's more akin of Godzilla 98. Because Kong is a main character and he's on the screen for a lot of time. And they understood the problem that the Transformers movie never really got. Which is, y- your human characters, whilst they need to be able to be vaguely interesting enough to move the story forward, are dispensable. They are fine. They are there to be plot points to help move the monkey forward, right? It never loses sight of who the star is. It puts him front and centre. gives him lots of cool stuff to do. Builds a very, very nice mythos around it. Uh, John C. Riley, as some people thought, didn't ruin this movie. I think he added a lot to it. He did. Sam Jackson had his best villain turn in a while. He was really good and really believable and had a real, you know, his purpose of why he hated Kong was completely believable. Um... Maybe the, the kind of... Yeah, Tommy Sisson was, was fine, but maybe he erred a bit too much on the dispensable side. And there were some characters in this. Um, not to be that guy, but the, the token Asian lady in this. Mm. So bad. She's awful. Clearly added just to be exactly that. Um, really, really bad, but overall a really, really good movie. And now it's got me more optimistic for what's going to follow. Mm. Namely, King Kong... Uh, sorry, uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters... And then King Kong versus Godzilla after that. So yes. there's hope there. Looking forward to that. Uh, my number nine is The Disaster Artist. I told you that we'd be seeing Ooh. a little bit more of it. Um, whilst not being the runaway hit that I really wanted to be, it did give me a lot of things I didn't know I wanted from a room, a room from a movie about The Room. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen The Room yet, Darren? I have seen The Room. Someone I went to university with wrote their dissertation on it. I understand why they've done that, though. Like... This movie is now as cult as any of the works of Ed Wood. It's yeah. it it it's it's re it's rejuvenated midnight showings in my opinion. It, it's given us that sort of schlock B movie so bad it's good vibe for a new generation. Yeah. I think we have a lot to be thankful for when it comes to the room. No more so than the enigmatic character that is Tommy Wiseau, mm-hmm. who in this movie is played by James Franco and is simultaneously just 
awe inspiring in a way, right? As well as oddly sympathetic, uh, hateful. It really runs the gamut whilst right. still maintaining this sort of weird, jilted monotone delivery. You actually get a far bigger emotional range than you ever thought possible from Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> um, then you've got um, Dave Franco playing Greg, Greg Sestero, who is less good, but still pretty good, right. especially towards the end. I think for anybody who's worried if they have to have watched The Room to enjoy this one, the answer is no. You just have to know that there was a movie called The Room and it was bad, but the movie does a good job of introducing you to that first. Right. Um, it, the movie really stood on its own, because I was, I was on the fence about it, but then when you get to the last 20 minutes... And it's the premiere of the of the room. Right. This movie goes. This is our fucking mark on history. Right. If this movie ends up being an Oscar Oscar contender, I will not be surprised. Really. It's that good. Damn. Okay. Is it spoilerish to ask about the cameo? Um. Not really. No. Is it not a big deal that Tommy Wiseau turns up? Well, he doesn't. That's the thing. He, it's it's a post credit scene. Ah. Oh. And it's brilliant. The weird thing is because you've got um. Uh, James Franco who's been so believable as Tommy Wiseau yeah. this entire movie then Tommy Wiseau comes in playing not Tommy Wiseau he actually gives a good performance <laughs> like Tommy Wiseau is not that bad like James Franco's version of Tommy Wiseau is understandably slightly inflated right. so when Tommy Wiseau is coming in and doing an undertoned version of himself Aww. as a different character I'm like whoa hang on you actually seem somewhat believable as a different person What's going on? Oh, no, that's not good. It might be the haircut. I don't know. Okay. Um, right. You were brave to put it at number 10, Michael, but I had a bit more faith in it. I know deep down this isn't a good movie, but Power Rangers was probably the happiest I've been all year watching a movie. You gave yourself a dead leg. I gave myself a dead leg from punching myself that hard <laughs> when the Go Go Power Rangers theme tune turned up. As I had hoped, like the Bond theme, it turned up <laughs> without change, and I was a very happy boy. Um, yeah, look, I know uh, it does not hold up on repeated viewings. Does it not? A very strict warning, if you liked it the first time around, leave the memories alone, okay? <laughs> Just live with that version, as I should have done, because thinking that it would maybe have even been higher. Right, but upon repeated viewing, it shows some very glaring flaws in this um, if we're going to complain about the Transformers movie not really showing us the Transformers all that much, then to hold off on them basically turning into Power Rangers until probably the last 20, 25 minutes of the movie, that has to be a mark against it. I feel like it could have been rapid, like very improved upon on a sequel. They clearly see it because of the, the last scene with... Um, mm. with uh, calling out Tommy. Calling out Tommy. Um, we're not going to get that. It didn't perform well. Did not? Didn't do well. Oh, no. Did, didn't do disastrously bad, but it, it's not... A full-fledged bomb, but it didn't make its money back. Oh, that's a shame. They're hoping that if he's going to get one, it'll have to be like a kick-ass two situation where home no, 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 no. <laughs> home entertainment kind of gets it there. Yeah, but I don't think it had the momentum to do oh, that. I hope it does. It didn't. I think... In the first week it came out, I felt like a nailed-on sequel was going to happen. It had not great reviews, but decent enough reviews, and people were talking about it. It was in the zeitgeist. It then disappeared without a trace. So, side note, the toys suck. That's it. Really? Yeah, like, I'm I'm the toy guy now, apparently. And, um, yeah, the toys for the movie Power Rangers is dreadful. Like, there's, there's a Morpher out, but there's no Morpher in the movie. Hmm. Oh, yeah, there is no Morpher. And the Morpher's horrible. Oh. It's really bad. Well, that's not good. It's really no good. Um, but, yeah, just, just for the, like, 
little moments that made me feel really happy inside, it gets a stage of execution. If this was a, mo- a year full of truly great movies, I would have had to concede that it's not that great. But this year, and just, again, for that, Go Go Pay Rangers is the best thing that happened in cinema all year, in my opinion. <laughs> no one moment surpasses that in terms of how it made me feel on a personal level. Fair enough. So, there we go. Michael? That was number eight, was it? Number eight, sorry, yeah. yes. So, my number eight uh, shouldn't really shock anybody, and I think everybody knew it was going to make this list. We've already talked about it, and it's a sequel to one of my favourite movies ever made. It's John Wick 2. Mm-hmm. Um, coming in surprisingly low on the list, when it originally came out, it was very high. But, but since then, a lot of good movies came out, or at least movies that feel more of a progression or more of a, an artistic licence than John Wick 2 is. John Wick 2 is great fun, but like you've said... It does sort of fall into a pastiche of itself more towards the end with these more silly moments which don't really yeah. work. Like, I'll defend the silencer sly bullets bit. Yeah. Because I'll defend because I think that's fucking hysterical. I thought it was funny as well, so I'll give you that one. really, really good. And, but a lot of people said, oh, he got too silly. And yeah, it, it does need to go into the realms of unbelievable sometimes. See, but... that the, the only bit where it really lost me was right at the end when they're in the park and oh, everyone's yeah. an assassin. Yeah. That's the bit where I kind of jumped off. Thankfully, it was in the last 10 seconds, so it didn't really matter. Yeah. But uh, there we go. Yeah, but, you know, obviously we're getting a John Wick 3 because it's performed really well. So I'm assuming that's going to be called John Wick versus the world. Looking forward to that. That'd be good. Sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, but Keanu does it again. Yeah. He's proving that he is a, a rejuvenated action star, and I'm more than okay with this. Mm-hmm. And the supporting cast, for the most part, were pretty great. Yeah. Ian McShane, more than anybody, proving that he deserves to be one of the British stars on the map. American yeah. Gods as well. I got around to watching a few episodes of that. Right. That's fucking weird. But Ian McShane's brilliant. Again, the Barney quote from The Simpsons is perfectly sums up uh, the slightly tweaked. I don't know what um, you fairies are doing, but I really like your pixie drink. That's, that's American <laughs> Gods in a, in a nutshell. I don't know what's going on, but I like it. Yeah. I'm into it. It's cool. Um, okay, yeah. Um, it doesn't make my top ten, mm. just because I felt some of the, the, the silly amount really did rip it down quite a few pegs. Uh, number seven. Oh, I'm, I might regret this. I have... Tossed and turned over this. At one point it wasn't in the top ten. It's back now. This would be Star Wars The Last Jedi. Oh. Things have advanced since we recorded that podcast, Michael. Have you seen it again? I have seen it again. Oh, cool. What happened was I had uh, a free morning on a Sunday morning. Uh, I had a set time to be around my girlfriend and nothing to do with the morning. Um, I was in Dudley and there was a perfectly timed uh, Jedi thing. So I said, right, just go by yourself. Low key, first showing of the day. It's gonna be nice and quiet in there. You just watch it, watch it outside of your hype and outside of anything like that. And I will say, it does work a lot better a second time round. Right. Okay. The major flaws: Porgs, the fucking Canto bite, um, the stupid plot hole of why the fuck didn't you just tell um, Poe what the plan was? They're all still bad. Mm-hmm. The really bad things don't improve, but the kind of little niggly things smooth out and actually upon re-watching it there was some things I just didn't pick up the first time around that solved problems I had mm. such as the Kylo and, and Ray kind of argument where I kind of I must have just missed the point where Kylo Ren just suggests yeah just let all of the rebellion die yeah that was cool I thought he was just alluding to like look just let them do whatever they're going to do let play it however it's going to ha- happen he's like no join me and we'll rule I missed that the first time round so I do retract my point on that um I do love how shirtless Kylo's become a meme. <laughs> it's my favourite thing. 
Was it you that sent me the one where it's the picture of him with the massive tits and then just Luke comes along and milks him? Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> so, yeah, what's bad is still bad, but it works better a second time round, I must admit. I did much prefer it when I just, again, watch it by myself, relatively empty screening, and it, yeah. I'm looking forward to watching it again, purely because I will get to have that second opinion. But for now, Star Wars is not on my top ten. I don't blame you, because there is a chance I've just put Phantom Menace on the top ten. But here's, but here's the thing, though, right? I think Phantom Menace and bad Star Wars movies do have their place in cinema history. Yeah. I would like it to not be bad. Yeah. But but I accept that, you know, we're, we're one for one still in terms of good to bad on the Star Wars ratio. I mean, Han Solo might be better to throw that off. But oh, go. God. But no, it, it gets on at number seven. Um, and that's, I think that's where you would it might be a grower it might be something that I'd again go back and when I'm not sat there and nitpicking and, and, and over analysing and just watch it one sitting all over through and just taking like a normal movie I think that improves it so I wouldn't recommend going and watch it a second time it is my plan uh, number 7 for me is a two way tie because I have one every year and this this year it just seemed to land just under the halfway point Okay. my two way tie for number 7 is Wonder Woman and It Okay. So, on one hand, you've got Wonder Woman, which I was worried I was giving a free pass purely because I didn't have a female-led movie in my top ten. Not that there's a problem with that, but I feel like that some people would take umbrage with it. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, n- no, we didn't need the question of can a female lead a superhero movie because we all know that, yes, they can yeah. stop being fucking stupid. Wonder Woman's a fantastic character. Surprisingly played very well by Gal Gadot. Like... Mm-hmm. I'm glad I was wrong about her acting abilities. She's yep. very, very, very good as this character. And who would have thought coming out of BVS last year that our favourite character would continue to be Wonder Woman? Yeah. That's just such an odd thing it to, is. to arrive at. But this is where we are. In terms of the DC canon, nothing has worked like Wonder Woman. It's a genuinely good movie. Mm-hmm. Although I will say the bit where she charges over No Man's Land and then suplexes a church is oh. what's dragging it up the list. That, that sequence... Yeah, is just beautiful. I love it. Completely with it. It is my number six. So I'll just, yeah, piggyback on what you're saying and just, yeah, everything, everything about it when it comes to the battle scenes. I'll just say, the final act is what stops it being a top five movie. As it's number six on here. Had the final act worked better? Because it really is a big hampering on mm. that movie when it just turns into every other DC movie at the end where it's your main character fighting a big grey CGI yeah. dude. Um, but the first two hours are pretty phenomenal. Really, really good. Everything until they get to that airfield is really, really good. And the movie's tied with is It, which we've already talked about, is a fantastic version of Stephen King's novel. It's leagues above what the TV movie was. I think that uh, Bill Skarsgård will be one to watch in terms going forward. It also has fantastic children actors, some of the best we've had, yeah. which of course includes uh, Mikey from Stranger Things. Gotta have a Stranger Things person in my movie. Uh-huh. I love that. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to 2019 when we get uh, it part two. Looking forward to that. Really, really looking forward to that. That yeah. should be a hell of a thing. If it's anywhere near as good as this, we might have a perfect, um, not trilogy, but you know what I mean, perfect yeah. anthology on our hands. Right, I'll throw a few of them for you. Number six is mine is Wonder Woman. I've already talked about that. I've already talked about that. My number six is Thor Ragnarok. Wow, massively enjoyed it, but turns out there are five movies that I massively enjoyed more than this movie. Did not call that, go. Okay, so it's it's exactly what Thor needed. It needed a shot in the arm, it needed something that was unique and that changed the voice of the series. 
upon rewatching it, the first movie kind of doesn't really hold up all that well. No. I still like it, but it doesn't hold up. The no. second movie, as we know, is Dross. Yuck. So we needed something to stand out. And luckily, Taika Waititi was the person to bring us that. Who knew that making it a goofy space comedy, a, not exactly akin, but certainly in the same ballpark as Guardians of the Galaxy, would work for Thor? It's a fantastic fit. I loved everything on Sakaar, everything about that planet was fantastic. And of course, possibly my favourite comedy character of the year, if not the past few years, came in this movie in the shape of Korg. I fucking love Korg. Everything he said was gold. It was very good. Every joke landed, which mm-hmm. was, I feel somewhat unbelievable, because even though I enjoyed what we do in the shadows, yeah. and I really like Taika Waititi as a director and his other projects of like yeah. Come for the Wilder People are fantastic, I didn't think it would work. And I was quite audibly worried about this movie. Yeah. God knows why. Because it just, it lands consistently again and again and again. And the best use of a Led Zeppelin song in a movie ever. Done. I'll go for that. Good points. Uh, right. We're into the top five now. We are. Uh, War for the Planet of the Apes sits at number five. Nice. Um, uh, disappointment at the one called War having the least amount of war in it <laughs> being uh, aside. Um, it was a very good way to close out the trilogy. Um, it, it kind of, it was never really about the big wars. Those are coming in the later, if we ever get round to actually redoing the original Planet of the Ace movies, that's where those can come in. Because I imagine they would then go and tell them as actual war movies. Yeah. In the same way that Terminator, um, not Genesis. Salvation. Oh, Salvation was meant to be your big fuck off Terminator war movie, which we all wanted, turns out we didn't. Um... <laughs> That can be what follows this up. In terms of closing out Caesar's story, this is about as perfect as it could get. I think the only thing that really hampered it was that we had the the comedy monkey. Really didn't like that. A bad ape. Yeah, it didn't it didn't suit the movie. I don't think it kind of dragged it down. It wasn't Jar Jar Binks level of bad. Don't get me wrong, but it all I wanted was Woody Harrelson and Caesar. Yeah, all I wanted in this movie was that. So whenever we have to go and deal with him, it kind of drags it down. But yeah. A lot of smart plot points. A very, very good performance from Andy Serkis to Caesar. And yeah, a very nice way to close the trilogy. Apes didn't make my top ten, but I oh. will say that in terms of a movie that just has a straightforward, linear storytelling job, yeah, it does the best of any movie this year. Like you say, mocap is fantastic. It's wonderfully animated. I think it's very emotive. And the subplot that's... Again, I don't feel like in this movie there's any exposition. I feel everything is told well. Yeah. It's, and it certainly is, surprisingly, who would have thought the Plant of the Apes remakes slash prequels were going to be an almost perfect trilogy. I know. It's still not my favourite. I think that's why it's not on the top ten. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it sits in that kind of weird bubble where it's not as brilliant as, you know, things we could, we're going to mention in a minute that kind of excels it and you need to talk about it. But they're so solid that you can't really, like, ignore them. Whenever they turn up, they're really good, but you don't really necessarily spend all that much time afterwards thinking about it. That's true. But as a storytelling practice, I feel like it excels in yeah. leagues. Yeah. However, Ex- it's not on my list. Okay. Because <laughs> my number five went to, surprise of the year, Logan Lucky. Wow. I Every time I think about this movie, I enjoy it more and more. Right. I, and it, it's, it's creeping and creeping and creeping up in my mind. And it started out at like number eight this year or number nine, and then like thought about some more and it, it just kept going higher and right. higher and higher it couldn't topple the top four no. nothing could 
However, I feel like that's the biggest uh, plot plot point. The biggest plus point I can give this movie is that it's tackling with the movies that I adored with this year. I think Channing Tatum has now secured himself as one of those people that I will follow anywhere. Cause, I was always going to follow Sweet Channy T wherever you want entertainment. Because he's great. He's absolutely fantastic. We're not going to get a Gambit movie. Oh, no. Oh, no. They didn't get their horses into gear. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, God. Right, hang on. Hang on a minute, though. Because if Disney is smart and they think, right, Wolverine's a bit played out, they could just do what Fox were planning to do and you have your solo X-Men built around guy. In terms of a guy to build a franchise around... You build Gambit. You put Channing Tatum in there as like your next wave. If Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans are about to leave, you could find someone worse to put in your MCU than, than, uh, than Sweet Channing T. So, panic over. Continue. So yeah, Channing Tatum's great uh, in Logan Lucky, as is Adam Driver. This is his best movie of the year. Yeah. I mean, I love him as Kylo Ren, but there's something beautiful about his understated performance in this. Yeah. And I will never get tired of hearing him say the word cauliflower. No, you're right. Um, he's uh, the good type of anti actor. He is. I he's, really, really enjoyed him in this he's movie. He's like the inverse of, um, oh, what's the face? Uh, January Jones. Right? The worst kind of anti actor. <laughs> but then you've also got, like, things that I didn't think would work, like Daniel Craig as Joe Bang. Like, so good. Just one of the best character turns I think we've ever seen. Yeah. Especially in terms of Craig. Like, this is up there in terms of one of his best movies, along with Skyfall. It's. Yeah. It's a class act. Mm. And the whole blue collar, um, the Ocean's Eleven book for people who like NASCAR thing yeah. works incredibly well as, as a narrative setup. You've also got this weird sort of undertone of people who are dumb who recognise that they are not smart as a yeah. theme. And it's very much comfortable, low intelligence of middle America. Mm-hmm. I think what they've done with their storytelling tropes there... And especially actually really delivering some heartwarming scenes, especially the one in the beauty pageant. Yeah. They've just done a good job of making a very straightforward but excellent movie. Yeah. Didn't make my top ten. I couldn't see why. Uh, it was skirting around the bottom, but it didn't It didn't quite have enough for me to, to kind of crack that top ten. Uh, number four, and starting the Marvel shutout of the top four phases, <laughs> uh, we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Right. Um... I just feel, again, not to make it always a comparison piece to its predecessor, but I do feel that first movie, it was lightning in the bottle, but I just think it got a lot of small things correct. Though I'm not saying that Volume 2 doesn't get correct, but I, I feel it makes it a lesser movie. That said, it's still very funny, still very action-packed, still got great characters. Ego the Living Planet is up there with the best of the MCU villains, um, just because it comes up with a completely different angle than... Admittedly, Guardians 1's biggest weak point being rounding the accuser. Ego is by far and away one of the strengths of this movie. Um, yeah. Worked, did everything I needed it to do. And had it come out in a different year, a weaker year for Marvel, it probably would have cracked the top three. But uh, Marvel really smashed you out the park this year. No uh, but still, that's still a top five place. So that's not me backhanded it. And of course... The greatest Stan Lee cameo of all time. I lost my mind. If there's anything going to rival Go Go Power Rangers, it's Stan Lee's Uatu the Watcher. Yeah, they're about as neck and neck as you can get for the best moment it's of the all year. All there. Uh, more on that later. Mm. Obviously. Obviously. Uh, my number four, and many people will consider this too low, but okay. but you know what? I think it sits. Quite comfortably in this position. Go on. Logan. Right. Okay. Because whilst I do think it is... I mean, 
ninth time's the charm. <laughs> we finally did it. We got him. <laughs> we made the perfect Wolverine movie. Yeah. And yeah, I, I would hazard to say we don't need any more now. We, we've done the perfect Logan story, which is a shame. And yes, inevitably there will be an MCU version of Wolverine. But, as we've said before, but the as, most unenviable recasting yeah. of all time. But as, as far as solo X-Men movies go, we don't need any more Wolverine movies because we've no. got Logan. It is perfect in its neo-noir setting. Yeah. Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman, Daphne Keane, all amazing performances. Yep. And actually, the guy who plays... Um, oh, God, what's his name? The, the villain. Oh, Jesus. Oh, uh, not... not not um, Oh, what's his face? Not Richard D. Grant. The no, other one. Yeah, the other one. Um, keep talking. Uh, that guy. Yeah, it's a very... Even though I can't remember his name... Um, is a very, very good villain. And what they've done is essentially play to type, scale it all back, tell a much more deep and personal story about the end of an era, essentially, or the beginning of a new one, however way you want to look at it. And they've managed to tell... Oh, sorry, Darren. You Boyd want... Holbrook. Boyd Holbrook as... Um, Pierce. As Pierce. Oh, Ale- not Alexander Pierce. No. What's Just his name? Pierce. Anyway, yeah, Boyd Holbrook is a brilliant villain. And what this movie does in terms of tone is what makes it the best. Also, one of the single best ending shots of any movie ever. Oh, so perfect. And that's the thing. It is unique in the superhero genre in that it is an ending. It is the end. We've never... How how rare is it to actually get ending movies? Like, the definitive end of a character. Mm. Now, of course, Marvel backs a uh, busload of uh, money up to Human Jackman's house. Might not be the last one. A huge Jackman, actually. (laughs) But in terms of... X universe Wolverine's movies, yeah, about as perfect as it was, and of course Stephen Merchant. Um, <laughs> interestingly, it's to number three on my list, so it's next up for me. Yeah, you, you everything you said echoed. Um, great action scenes as well. Mm. They're few and far between because it's not that type of movie. It's a western, but when he turns up, and especially the final bit when he when he goes full on um, Berserker. Berserker rage, it's so goddamn glorious. Um, I'm, I'm still not comfortable with Patrick Stewart, Professor X swearing. Mm. It's still a little bit too close to home, but um, yeah, I, I, it's good that I feel uncomfortable. I had a reaction to it. Um, I still think Stephen Merchant just... It's so weird that he's in this movie. I know, especially as Caliban. I know, I know. It's so odd that it's he just... It's a very odd choice. As I said, it's just a really gritty Western movie, and then hi, hi. Just, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't throw it off, thankfully, but yeah... Um, the the fact we're not getting an, an X twenty three spin off now because of Disney a, a little bit disappointing, but I just don't know if that would have been able to carry the momentum. It works better as a kind of yeah. visual ending of like right Wolverine's dead, but over there go the X Men. That's X twenty three and things. Um, I still would have preferred if everyone was a clone of an existing mutant, not like blatantly going it's Cyclops his son, but like a geese shoots laser beams, that one flies to the sky and shoots lightning. That'd have been cool. That aside, yeah, I, I, again, listen to that preview of the year. We were not expecting much out of this. We no. thought it was just going to be, um, well, we could not have seen what was coming. So, yeah, um, a perfect ending. Well done. It was. Until it isn't an ending in a few months' time. Yay. Woo! It's my number three, though, isn't it? It is your number oh, three. Oh, good Mark. God, my voice hurts so much. Okay, number three, Spider-Man Homecoming. Now, I get the feeling that I'm just going to... Spider-Man Homecoming in the bronze medal position. Yep. Continue. Um, so I'll I'll just do a quick one on this because I get the feeling we're about to hear more oh. about that movie. It's the perfect Spider-Man movie. 
Uh, yeah, it's only bronze medal. Yes, this year it's mm. only bronze medal. Okay. In in terms of the MCU at large, it's definitely one of the best ones ever made. Tom Holland is Spider-Man, regardless of what you think in terms of nostalgia about uh, Tobey Maguire or in terms of newness about, about Andrew Garfield. Tom Holland is Spider-Man. Perfect Peter Parker, perfect Spider-Man. More importantly, Michael Keaton is back. As I said at the very start of this podcast, I was like, this is, I thought that Founder was going to be his best movie this year. It's not. this one. You put him in the vulture and yet somehow have one of the most compelling villains of the MCU to date. Yeah. Up there with Ego, up there with Kingpin, up there with Purple Man. Absolutely. One of the best. Um, and really, I think this is just a movie that we can actually be proud of. If you think yeah. about it. Because it, it, it's definitely, it's taken elements of both um, sagas, if you will, of Spider-Man movies Cut out the shit, added a bunch of stuff we did want and a bunch of stuff we didn't know we did want. Yeah. And in the background of Sony's made a ter- bunch of terrible movies, so Marvel have had to have shared custody of him. Yeah. Have made the absolute best of that character. Yeah. That I think we could ever get. And now they're about to shit all over it by making Venom. However, for now, the Spider Verse is looking pretty damn good. The future is bright. I can't wait for Infinity, for Infinity War, mainly to see what happens when Spider Man gets to rub shoulders with Star Lord. Oh, that's going to be the best. Oh, my God. Oh, my yes. sweet Christ, yes. Um, more on that later, but for now, Silver Medal for me, Thor Ragnarok. Wow, okay. I really love this movie. I think it was a better Guardians of the Galaxy sequel than the Guardians of the Galaxy sequel we got. Not by much. Again, I'm trying not to throw Guardians of the Galaxy under the bus. I really, really did enjoy that movie. But in terms of just being an absolute up spike in Thor movie quality, completely around the spectrum, nothing we expected, but so good. Such a perfect use of everybody in this cast. Everybody excels. Um, it's got a great villain in Hela. Wow, this is a really good year for Marvel villains. Right. Is the problem over? Maybe. I mean, we've still got Thanos to I go. Thanos so. is next... Oh, so, well, tell like, I was about to say he's next up. He's not next up. It's uh, But next up is Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. So Creed is their next bad guy. <laughs> so, oh my God, they've figured it out. This is so good. Um, yeah, so really, really good casting across the board for everyone new. But it, it really comes down to people who've been there all along. And you now retroactively think... We could have been doing so much more with Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston than we have done. Because it is such a funny movie. The funniest movie of the year, hands down, across the board. Maybe even funnier than, than Spider-Man Homecoming is. Um, yeah, I can't wait to go and watch it again. Jeff Goldblum <laughs> is back, baby, and it's amazing. Um, but but it's not just comedy. It has some of the best cinematography of any movie we had this year. Certainly mm. the best of the MCU, I think. Um, some of the shots in this, uh, the the kind of Valhalla shot of the Valkyrie charging at Hela oh, is spectacular. Like Only upped by the final shot of the Rainbow Bridge of kind of um, Valkyrie and uh, um, Heimdall coming from this end and Thor coming from the other end of the pincer move. Oh, God. Oh, there is, it's a to very... The tune of Immigrant Song. Oh. There is no fat on this movie whatsoever. Everything works. I will say, also... I mean, is it a spoiler to talk about the ending of that movie? No. No. So, Asgard still goes down. Yeah. That, it, it, it feasibly changes the circumstances of these characters. It's not just, it's not an episode of Power Rangers where everything's fine at the end. I came back, again, to mention air last year's preview. I said the problem, the biggest problem with the Thor movies is they have the least to do with the rest of the MCU. They make the least amount of impact to the point where you could probably just watch the Avengers and you don't need to watch the first four movie other than to really understand his whole deal. 
you don't really need to watch it. You really don't need to watch Thor The Dark World. Because other than it have to be mentioned when Thanos goes to get the ether, there is no reason for that to exist. That's true. Asgard is finished. Gone with done. It introduced death. Literal death. And I, I really do get the feeling... If they haven't already got her in Infinity War, I think we'll be seeing Hela take the place of Mistress Death for Thanos. I'm okay with that. That makes all the sense in the world. Um, uh, where was I going with this? Uh, yeah, and just lasting. And even the ending shot means that it's basically the kickoff of Infinity War is the end of this movie. So addressed all the problems in Game of that much more. Very worthy of the silver medal position. So I've seen two movies five times this year. Right. They are Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 right. and La La La. They are Booker T movies. They are. They are Wrestling Booker fans T. will understand that. I, won't, I don't get it, but okay. It's okay. Um, and up until about, I would say, I would say two, maybe three weeks ago, mm. they were completely inseparable at the top right. of the list. I didn't know which one was going to be first. Okay. Because I'd, I'd seen both that many times. I knew them like the back of my hand. I did eventually have to pick a winner, though. Mm-hmm. Which is why La La Land is at number two. Wow. <laughs> you, th- oh, you told me early on you were pretty sure that was a lock for number one. I thought it was. Yeah. I genuinely thought it was. So very quick on La La Land because I've already gushed about this movie enough. It's it's a modern classic in my opinion. And I think it very much hit a resonant tone with me about the uh, sort of balance between creativity and life and love and what it means to truly be happy and to let go of things and to let them be their own thing and not to focus and be megalomaniacal over certain things, but also to strive for success. I think there's a lot of genuinely heartfelt modern lessons to be told in a movie that is so so content with with showing Hollywood as the glory is of Hollywood as a thematic approach to the the sins of that industry as such now. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a movie that this year has had the shine taken away from it a little bit as we found out that Hollywood is apparently infested with terrible people. Yeah. Um, but there is no movie that's understood charm and charisma and an uplifting in the face of tragedy than, than La La Land because it's it's a very bittersweet movie that throughout its runtime just just completely wins you over and makes you fall in love with it. I think the direction, some of the best cinematography we've seen this year, I kind of echo what you said about the soundtrack in its second half. Mm. Though I feel it starts out so immensely strong, I actually prefer it to some musicals I've seen. Yep. Um, I think my second most played song from this year was A Lovely Night, which is the one they do the tap dance at the top of the hill to. Yeah. As you get like that beautiful, real shot, not faked, of the sort of like the bioluminescence of the of the night sky against the uh, fluorescent lights. Yeah. You, you get that purple and yellow hue, mm-hmm. completely real shot. Right. I fucking love how they did okay. that. Apparently, they had to do that take like so on the dot because they would not get another chance that day. Right. I, I love that scene. Okay. So 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 much. And I, I, I like the creatives have really rallied behind the movie and saying that it's given them inspiration and at the same time sort of put a different spin on their own inspirations. Right. I, I just think it's a highly influential movie and one that, in my books at least, will go down as one of the best. Right. Well, there we go. There we go. Um, yeah, mine's nowhere near as deep as that. Um, <laughs> I've kind of let the cat out of the bag at this point. <coughs> yeah. As to which one is going to take home the gold medal. I mean, I get the feeling I know which one it is. Now. Yeah, props. Um, no. 
as much as Guardians of the Galaxy was kind of hampered by its in comparison to its previous movie, both Thor Ragnarok and Spider Man Homecoming are made better by surpassing almost everything that came before them. Thor completely and utterly washes the other two out of the water. Completely gone, forget about it. I will say, it's a weird thing to start off with when you can praise your favourite movie of the year. Still not my favourite Spider-Man movie. <laughs> Spider-Man 2 will forever hold a, a special place in my heart. But this year, considering it could have gone wrong, because as we've seen with The Amazing Spider-Man, it's easy to fuck Spider-Man up. It was everything you could ever want out of a Spider-Man movie. An almost utterly perfect execution of the idea of a of a school-aged Peter Parker. But apparently lacked a soundtrack featuring Hoobastank, according to you. Okay, <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, it's good. It's it. Maybe upon repeated viewings, this will dislodge Spider-Man too. Um, as much as I love Michael Keaton, Alvin Molina will always be my favourite. That's there true. we go. Oh, okay, uh, but back to the praise. It's definitely up there with the best of Marvel movies. Easily up there, just because every moving part works. There is not a single bit of wastage in this movie. Every character works. Every casting is perfect. The jokes are pretty quick. It keeps it very light-hearted. You know what I mean? Spider-Man is touched with tragedy throughout his comic book run. They don't really go there with this one. In fact, he actually ends up saving the villain at the end of the movie. A rarity in Spider-Man films. Um, and it just, yeah, everything it does, it does. I can't think of a way to improve this movie at all. Right? There is no wastage. Every joke lands. Every single joke lands. So, uh, uh, I think Thor has better jokes, but the fact the action, really good. The suit, perfect. Um, the black lines may be a bit too much, but I I that would them. make it not perfect then, Darren. Um, <laughs> Iron Man is sprinkled in the perfect amount. Agreed. Is that he doesn't overshadow things, which he could have done. The movies and the trailers made it seem like it was going to be a buddy cop movie. He's in it the perfect amount. Um, breakout performance of the year goes to... Um, why have I completely forgot his name? Oh, my God. His friend. Not Norm? Not Norm. Wow, really? Oh, God. What's his name? I know his name, but I don't know the guy. I've just Ned. watched it. Ned, Ned, Ned. Jacob Batalan Ned, Ned. Yeah, him. Breakout star of the year for me. Amazingly good performance. So goddamn funny. I think I'm just going to repeat myself at this point, Michael. Because, yeah, I going for if Sony even dares take this Spider-Man away from me, <laughs> now that he's here and now that he's so... He's already fitting into the MCU. He's already given me hope that should the big hitters go, should we lose Captain America and Iron Man in Infinity War this year, it's okay because Spidey's back and he's more than ready to put the whole MCU on his shoulders and take it forward as the lead character, as he always should have been, Right. All these ten, last ten years of pretending that Iron Man is the face of Marvel has not sat pretty with me. Spidey's back, he's on top, and it was the best movie I saw this year. That's fair enough. Speaking of repeating yourself, Darren. Yeah. Do you want to do it? We get it, Michael. You like Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy 2. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is my number one. Surprising literally nobody, because it's a movie that unlike Darren, I believe, surpasses its original. And I love the original movie, as you damn well know. Yeah. But after watching it that many times, and then recently re-watching the original, 
you do notice that the first movie had a lot of flaws. I love it, but it had a lot of flaws. It had a very bad villain. It had wasted characters. Like, where the fuck did Korath go? Eh. Who's Korath? Exactly. Um, so, what this movie did was essentially... Yes, pretty much retrace the steps of the first Guardians movie to an extent. But change and add things that worked 100% of the time. Ego, one of the best movies, one of the best movies, one of the best villains in an MCU movie and possibly movies this year. It fixed Nebula. It's yeah. no, no longer a bland throwaway character, but a deeply troubled, traumatised child of a character. It just... And what surprised me the most was that on top of a soundtrack that also works better than the original soundtrack because it's not just a jukebox hit, it's themed. It's Except fit. for the fucking chain. Yeah, okay. Uh, they, I know, but I've, I've learned to love the chain. Blue ball also, does. that's my favourite. Uh, favorite. That's my most played song from, from 2017 was the chain. Wow. Yep. Just, One was I Hope You Suffer by AFI. I was like, I thought I had a happy year. But apparently not. Apparently not. But yeah, what they did was essentially give everybody something to do and give them all somewhere to go more so than anybody else you have the father-son uh, dichotomy between uh, Star-Lord and Ego which works surprisingly really well Rocket gets a lot to do with Yondu which is a beautiful pairing that, that genuinely would not work in any other movie um, you get Drax getting places to go as well as Gamora being able to salvage that relationship with Nebula and essentially what they've done is make my favourite MCU movie after Civil War. It's not perfection. It's not airport fight, only airport fight, the airport fight is everything. But it's damn well close. And just to make this... And the thing that made me decide this movie over La La Land, because objectively, La La Land's a better movie than Guardians 2. Right. Objectively. The thing that made me choose Guardians this year... Is Sylvester Stallone and Miley Cyrus being on a team together? I mean, that too. Yeah. Because I forgot about that. Um, But for the actual genuine impact it's had on my life. And this is going to sound really soppy now. I'm very sorry about this, Darren. But it's a movie that's motivated me in in real life. I I, I was working on a a cosplay of Star-Lord for Comic-Con this year. And it turned out to be... Uh, the best thing I've ever made like genuinely mm. is and I've spent hundreds of pounds on it and I think it looks great um, it also motivated me to lose weight which was really good because I figured I wanted to be more like Star-Lord so I dropped two stone in weight this year thanks to this movie um, through it I then met my girlfriend because um, she was helping me on the costume for that we then sat and watched Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and we're going to sit and watch Guardians of the Galaxy 2 uh, in a few days and it's it's, it's a movie that's so... I, I get why nobody would love it. And I get why most people would think it's not as good as the original. Because it's not lightning a bottle. But what it is, is a signifier that this year has changed me. Right. I am a different person this year. From the first time I saw Guardians 2. To mm. the last time I saw Guardians 2. And because of those reasons, Michael, I will gloss over the fact, the, the fact that you've just said that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is better than the fucking Avengers. I'll just gloss over that for now. That's cool. We'll let that go. That's a different discussion for a different day. <laughs> right. If for some reason you want to go and read more in-depth reasons why we pick these movies, we have got our top 10 um, films of the year articles ready to go. They will be up on Fail Entertainment by the time you hear this. Um, we'll be just, again, going to a bit more of the reasons why they made our list. 
Again, as we said earlier, you can also go and check out our top 10 everything else of the year, where we both announce our favourite TV shows, favourite music, favourite uh, video games of the year. Um, big surprise for which one that's going to be, Michael. Um, <laughs> and yes, we were also, in very, very soon, we're going to be recording our 2018 preview podcast. We've also got the article version of that, both the movie previews and the video game previews that will be coming up as well. Yeah, you can also go and follow me personally on Twitter, at that Mike Owen, as well as that exact same username on Instagram, where you can go and find pictures of the very same style or cosplay I was talking about, including a four-inch figure version of me. It's oh. the coolest goddamn thing. It's the only person thing on me that's four inches. Darren? Hey! hey. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the TheGutridge. You can also go and follow the site on Twitter or at, at FellENT. That's F-O-U-L-E-N-T. Uh, and again, yeah, please check out our website as we go through a bit of a dry January, it must be said, uh, in terms of movies coming out. In fact, I'm just going to have a quick look just see if there is actually anything in January we care about. I'm fairly certain there isn't, because the Oscar baits haven't started yet. There's no nominations, so there's nothing I actually need to get to see. Right, okay. Um, the only thing we've got is Coco. And that doesn't even really count to the 2018 movie, because the rest of the world got in fucking October. I know. Around the time of the Day of the Dead. <laughs> but apparently they were like, no, they can wait till January, so... Uh, that's all we've got. So, is is yeah. this our payoff for getting Star Wars a day early? Is that what this is? I think so. We get Star Wars a day early, but Pixar then pushed three months back Jesus. on their movie. But that's fine. Apparently to return to form for Pixar Coco. So we've got that and The Incredibles 2 next oh, year. Boy. All of which you can hear in a 2018 preview podcast coming soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.